Strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds. You're listening to Strong Girls Pod, where strong women share their stories to inspire strong girls. Welcome to episode nine of Strong Girls Pod, brought to you by WIS. Today, I get the honor and pleasure of having my former roommate join me on the pod, Lexi Hull. Lexi is an alumna of Stanford Women's Basketball, where she earned a number of accolades, including winning the 2021 National Championship with her team and her twin sister, Lacey, by her side. The number six overall pick in the WNBA draft, Lex plays with the Indiana Fever and knows better than almost anyone the importance of drive and hard work. Lexi's story is one of determination, of leadership, and of incorporating family spirit and competition into team chemistry. If you know them, you know there is no one who works harder or pushes each other more than the whole twins. They lead by example and create cultural excellence wherever they go. So get ready for some awesomeness after we hear from our superstar sponsor, WIS. Going back with our WIS tips series. Tip number four, save in buckets. Save in a short-term, a medium-term, and a long-term bucket. So short-term bucket can be you're buying yourself something for your birthday or you're buying a friend something for their birthday in in a week or two, right? That's a short-term bucket. A medium-term bucket is something later on. Depending on your age, that may mean in six months is a medium-term bucket. And a long-term bucket helps you really conceptualize what your goals are later on in life. It's going to help you, you know, align that bucket around what do you want to be? What do you want to be later? Like, what's your plan? Have a plan. Do you want to, you know, do you want to go to college? Do you want to go to medical school? Do you want to become a journalist? Do you want to become a veterinarian? It, it, you know, it helps you. You can talk about your money um, in the context of, of what you want to be. And that's what the long-term bucket really is for. I love it. And filling those buckets up and correct me if I'm wrong here, but filling up these buckets, it doesn't mean that you have to divide them up equally in each moment. Absolutely. It just, it just means that you should start thinking about these things. I love the idea of like being able to start with something of like looking back into the earlier tips and starting with kind of that baseline and then moving into the idea of like, okay, we've got this baseline of where we want to save. We're starting to make money. We're starting to do this. We're starting to have the opportunity to save. So now how are we doing it? And we're getting in as we go deeper and deeper. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Strong Girls Pod. I'm your host, Charlie Ekstrom. And today is a pretty special episode here because I am sitting with my dear friend, former roommate, former standout stud of Stanford women's basketball and current player on the WNBA Indiana Fever, Lexi Hull. Lex, thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. I know. I think it's so fun. We get to kind of dive in and chat and, you know, go back into goofy college mode for a second, (laughs) chatting about the good old times. (laughs) I love it. So Lex, I kind of given you a preface for the listeners who don't know you of who you are right now, but I'd love for you to kind of start us off and give us a little background of your career, the choices, the places you've been, what you've played, what what you've done from there, and just kind of tell us the start of your story. 
<laughs> yeah. So I grew up in Spokane, Washington, you know, big outdoor state, part of the Pacific Northwest and grew up playing like every sport imaginable. I did a year of softball and didn't, didn't really like it. Did volleyball, soccer, track, and finally landed on basketball. I played all of the sports up until eighth grade. And then in high school, decided to really focus on basketball and did volleyball my freshman and senior year just for fun because I had some friends on the team and then did track every year. So I'm kind of really enjoyed that I was able to do a lot of sports and I feel like I learned a lot from those. Grew up with my twin sister, Lacey. She was a big part of my life, still is a very, very big part of my life. And we played sports together from day one and decided to go to Stanford to play basketball together, which was, I think, the best decision of our lives. Met you, met so many incredible people, had a great run with the basketball team, and now decided to go to the draft and got drafted to the Indiana Fever. Just finished my second season there, and it's great. You know, jumping up levels, there's always some new challenges, new fun things to learn, and I feel like I'm just continuing to grow at this level and excited for what the future holds. It's so fun. And I know that we're all so proud of you, like seeing your journey into the professional scene. And I joined the professional scene of athletics a year after you and got to rely on you a lot for advice when I was kind of entering that scene, which was super fun. And like you were saying, I feel like a huge piece of your Stanford career was playing with Lacey and kind of having that experience of having your twin sister there. Was it always your guys' plan to go to school together? Or was that just kind of like happy coincidence that you both fell in love with the same school? So I think, you know, going into the recruiting process, we got recruited by all of the same schools for the most part. And then, so it was always in the back of our head, like we could go somewhere alone. But at the end of the day, when Stanford came into the mix, it was like the perfect scenario for us. They both, they wanted both of us. And then we just both fell in love with the school, fell in love with the team, fell in love with the city. So there wasn't really a question on one of us going anywhere else because we both love Stanford so much. I love it. And you guys were such, you had such a cool journey. You won a national championship in your time there. You got to experience all of the highs and lows of college and of a really high level team with high level culture together, which I think is such a cool piece of it all that not many people get to share with a sibling, let alone a twin. So I love that. I think that you guys kind of became this little powerhouse duo at Stanford. <laughs> it's also funny because I feel like there were so many twins our year. Yep. And, and it was like the most random thing. I remember at like freshman orientation or something, I was like, what the heck? What are the odds of having this many sets of twins in our class? And they had said something along the lines of it being the largest number of twins that they'd had in a class. It was kind of crazy how that all ended up working out. And it's so crazy to me because like for Lacey and I, that's nothing new. Like our elementary school, our class at an elementary school, we had eight sets of twins, which for like the, the size of a elementary school class is not that big. And they're like, this is the most twins we ever had. So Lacey and I have grown up from kindergarten through the end of high school with a million sets of twins. And so it's not like anything new to us, but it's funny to meet some new people and they're like, oh my gosh, being a twin is so cool. Like, tell us about it. I'm like, it's, it is what it is. Like, I, it, it feels so normal to me at this point. It's totally normal. And it's so funny that you've had so many twins. Maybe you guys are the twin magnets. You, you just guess, bring them all together. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I, I love it. All right. Well, looking kind of at the 
grand scheme of everything, we've touched on this nice career that you've had in basketball so far, and you played a bunch of sports growing up. So I feel like there's a huge element of you could find a lot of great things about a lot of different sports. But something that you and I have talked about that we do at Strong Girls United for our returning listeners who know the drill, we're going into our three good things practice. And for our new listeners, our three good things practice that we work with girls who come through our mentorship programs with Strong Girls United is we like to talk about how in every day, no matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter how high, no matter how low, you can always find three good things. And we really recommend taking it down, putting it into a journal, writing it down, having some sort of tangible note of those three good things, because immediately it shifts your mind from a negativity bias into a sense of positivity. Because even if you're having the worst of days, if your coffee was the right temperature, that can be a good thing. If you really enjoyed the sun outside, that can be a great thing. And even those little things can start to shift your day into a more positive experience than it was before. So with what we're doing with Strong Girls Pod, with all of these amazingly inspirational female athletes, is we're saying in your sport, you've had so many highs, probably a decent chunk of lows to pair with them. What are your three good things or your three favorite things about your sport? I think for me, the reason I love basketball so much is the people and the teams that I've been on and the experiences that I've had with them. So I think number one will always be the joy that I get from being with my teammates and getting to, you get so close being in a sport that has some really highs and some really big lows and being able to grow through those together. So having people to lean on has been my favorite part and something that keeps me coming back day in and day out. I also really like that basketball is a sport where you can't cheat the game. There's so much that you have to work on in practice. You have to take things really seriously and and work on your game to improve. And I like that it's not an easy sport. I think it's really fulfilling when you're able to see your progress and see yourself improve. So I like that aspect of it. And then also, I really like that basketball is a game of runs. So in a game unlike other sports, like if you, if you're running track and you have a bad race, like there's not much you can do to make that race better. But in basketball, I love that if you have a turnover, you have the opportunity to get a steal. You have the opportunity to make a shot. You have an opportunity to get yourself back feeling on the positive side. So I like that you have the chance to, you know, take negatives and learn from them and grow from them within a single game and turn it around. That's pretty cool. I've, I don't know if I've necessarily thought about it like that with basketball, if that you have that opportunity to turn it around right there and get a new turnover, make a defensive play happen. I feel like, and you can correct me if, my, if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's a huge element of your game too. Like You're known as a super gritty defensive player. Always have been. You and Lace both have always been known as super gritty defensive players. It was not unheard of. It was actually quite common to see you guys hit the deck or hit the <laughs> <Too> floor. <many. laughs> but you guys were a never say never, go for it at all times. And as a result, were these incredibly scrappy defensive players. And so I feel like that must be a huge element of your game of there's always an opportunity if it didn't necessarily happen on the offensive side of things, like go right back, turn it around and get that defensive play. That must have been like a huge foundation for kind of when you were starting, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think like defensively, something that we always talk about is shooting you can have off days like you can you can go a day and you're a great shooter but you can still miss 10 shots in a day right so like offensively it's it's hard to always expect yourself to perform but i think that the defensive side is 
every single time down the court, like you have the opportunity to try your hardest and the effort is what it all comes down to for me for defense. And so that's something that I pride myself in is I never want to be someone that's not working as hard as I can. And so that I think shows itself on the defensive side. I love that. I I love all of this element of this kind of control what you can control and then see the execution. You might not necessarily get that execution with the shot every time. Shots have a lot more factors than just what you're able to do. You might have the perfect form and it still might not go in just because of external factors that are going on. But the really controllable thing is the amount of effort that you're able to put in. And that's kind of the foundation that you said of, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop putting in effort because that's the thing that I can control. Everything else doesn't matter as much if I'm giving my everything into that moment. Yeah. Like I can walk out of a gym. I can walk out of practice or a game content with my performance, even if it statistically wasn't the best, if I know that I tried my hardest. I love so, that. Yeah. I love that a lot. What do you think of all of it? What do you think kind of enabled you to have that mindset or to have that foundation? Like, do you feel like there was anything that was like your defining foundation to be able to have that mindset and to be able to do what you've done? I think having Lacey kind of neck and neck with me our whole lives, we've been so competitive with each other. And if anyone was doing anything, if I was outside dribbling, Lacey would come outside and dribbling. If I, if Lacey was going to go to the gym to shoot before school, I was coming to the gym before school to shoot with her. So I think we held each other accountable in every aspect, athletically, academically, everything. And I think that just when you're willing to put aside like tiredness or put aside like, oh, I just want to sit at home and watch TV, like being able to put that aside, knowing that someone else was working hard, I think instilled that foundation in us at a young age. And then now it's just like part of us. And, and we're both the same way that we don't take, you know, any day off, any playoff. I feel like the fact that you guys are able to motivate each other is such a awesome little thing that you've got in your back pocket and together in general. I remember you guys talking about it, how competitive you were when I was first meeting you, but I don't (laughs) think, I don't think I like fully grasped onto it. I always knew that you were really competitive individuals, but I didn't even necessarily see it with each other until I actually lived with you both. And then (laughs) it would come down to we're playing a card game and you guys are drilling each other. And it was so fun because We all, you guys had this awesome ability to, even though you were really, really competitive and always pushing each other to be better, you still really like were rooted in love and motivating each other as opposed to kind of breaking each other down to build each other up. You just kept building each other up. Yeah. And I feel like that must have come in those mornings when one of you guys would be going to the gym and the other one wanted to come join and shoot around. It wasn't ever to beat out the other one. It was just to make both of you better in the long run, which is so cool. Yeah. And I think like growing up, we were so even in everything. Like we would go to the gym, play one-on-one and I might win all of the games that day. But the next day, Lacey wins all of the games. So I think like, like you said, like we just continue to build each other up and we wanted to be better than the other, but not in in detriment of them. Like we don't like, we never wanted, I never wanted to be better than Lacey hopes that she would be worse. Like I just wanted to be better. And I think that's something that I think everyone can learn from that. Like there's no need to take someone down, tear someone down for yourself, but you should just be willing and like excited about the opportunity to be better than them and like work towards that goal. Ooh, that gave me goosebumps. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like looking at that with 
the element of teamwork and the element of building up a team and kind of building a team culture, that must have played a role in having that innate ability to kind of have that team mentality with building with your sister. It must have come in to kind of going onto a basketball court or joining a team or playing in club or going on to college. All of it, you guys had that factor of we know how to build each other up because we're trying to get better and the other one's trying to get better at the same time. It kind of must have been a nice little foundation going into a team setting too. Yeah. And I think it like, I think it helps for team culture because our teammates, even at Stanford would see us like absolutely fouling each other in practice where (laughs) we got got to the point where Tara was like, we can't have them guard each other because someone's going to get hurt or like, but, but our teammates see that and see us so competitive with each other. But then they see us in the locker room and we're like totally fine. Like, I think a lot of times you see on teams where people will go at it in practice and then not talk to them outside of practice because they're taking it personally. Lacey and I have never taken anything competitively personally because it's just part of the game. Oh, yeah. No. And I think that that set a really nice standard with your Stanford team because coming in, if you guys can be the two most competitive people on the court, the two grittiest, the two gnarliest, the most likely to hit the ground (laughs) and you're battling each other and probably going to hurt each other because you're battling each other so hard. But then the second you hit the locker room, talk about what you're going to go get for lunch immediately after and share a car and live together and all of these things. It sets that standard of, Hey, we are holding each other accountable and we are holding each other to such a high standard at practice that we are going to win games. We are going to be able to beat these teams that are our actual true opponents. Yeah. Even better than we're beating each other right now. And we're also not going to be upset with each other when we push each other in practice. It's such a cool standard to set. Thank you. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's been fun and we've definitely had our, had our moments as everyone, (laughs) as every sibling does, as every sisterhood does, but it's definitely made us better. Yeah. And looking at it just from the factual standpoint, your sister, the element of sisterhood has kind of built up your career to what it is right now. It's established. I feel like sisterhood probably established your competitive mindset to begin, Mm -hmm. but then has almost usurped the element of just having a sister. It's just continued to help you drive forward into your career. Yeah. Yeah. I think like it set that foundation and then we've pulled from that and it's really like, I don't think I would be where I am today without her playing professionally. I don't think like I would be as good of a player. I don't think I'd be as good of a teammate. I don't think I'd be good as a competitor if I didn't grow up having her by my side. How different was it when you got drafted? I remember the day you got drafted. We had our little draft party for you. (laughs) It was the craziest moment because everybody in the room got quiet right before your name was called. And I don't know, I, I just guess it was in the air that we all just kind of had a sneaking suspicion that it might be that time. And then all of a sudden, the loudest eruption of screaming with all of our friends, your family. It was great. But then you left two days later. (laughs) Yeah. And you went into training camp and you made it through training camp. How different was it? That was, I I remember you were saying it was your first time ever living consistently apart from Lacey and ever being on a team apart from Lace. How different was it for you when transitioned into that place without her? It was, it was very different and definitely hard for that. I think that whole first season, I, you know, I think a lot of people, when they go to college, they get homesick because they're away from their family. They're on their own for the first time. But for Lacey and I going to Stanford, I don't think we were ever homesick because 
we had a piece of our home with us the whole time. And then going to Indiana in such a quick turnaround right after the final four, right after the draft, um, feels like I hardly got like a second to breathe in those that week. But going there and then not having anyone I knew in Indiana was definitely a challenge. And like, yes, the transition from college to pro basketball alone is is hard and difficult and there's struggles. But I think a big piece of it was not having her with me. Just, you know, not having anyone to come home to, to hang out with, do the day-to-day things that I was so used to doing for 22 of my, you know, my entire life up until that point. Oh, and I feel like too, I, I almost want to say like looking into your transition from year to, year one to year two is when you kind of started getting back into your groove of things of where you kind of started getting back into your rhythm of your competitive mindset, but you learned to do it more on your own as opposed to kind of always having that like backup buddy who you knew was going to drive you just as much as you drove yourself. Yeah, I think coming into my second year, I just knew what to expect. I knew what living by myself was like. I knew what, you know, training like a pro is like. It's different. And you don't have anything else. Like your whole job is to perform on the basketball court. And at Stanford, you know, you have school, you have other things going on. But this, it's like a whole different mindset and it's a mindset shift. And I think coming into the second season, I had a better expectations of what I needed to do. Do you like having just the one thing to focus on or was it kind of a tough adjustment going from having the busy schedule? For listeners, Lexi got two degrees in her four years at Stanford, so she kept herself quite busy. (laughs) I know it very well because there were many a time where we were sitting on the couches together doing homework late at night. (laughs) Too many times. (laughs) Too many times, but from keeping yourself so busy with the schoolwork, with all of the external factors, and then going into a place where you are just focused on the one thing and just able to focus on basketball, was it hard or was it really nice? Was it kind of like a little bit of a sigh of relief for you? So it was kind of a little bit of both. For the first two months or a month and a half after I got to Indiana, I was still doing online school because with Stanford and the quarter system, it goes long. So I was still finishing classes, which was fine, but it was like hard because at the beginning of season, we it's longer days on the basketball court in the weight room. So just time felt like I had none of it to myself. And then once that was over, like I'm someone that like feels, I, I, I've i learned this about myself, that like I need to be go, go, go. Like I love having things to do. I love having a day filled. And obviously like with that, I do love like chill days, right? But for the most part, I do like having things going on and it's finding new hobbies. That's kind of been my like to, on my to-do list recently is find things that give me joy outside of basketball so that when I come home, it's not like I'm still thinking about basketball because I think there's um, a moment where you need to like turn that off in order to like maintain a healthy lifestyle. Oh yeah, 100%. Do you have a particular hobby right now that's been your favorite as of late? Well, yeah, as of late, I just got a new puppy. Her name is Libby. She's my pride and joy. She keeps me very, very busy. So obviously those puppy years, puppy months are a lot. So that's, I'm really excited about that. And I love her and she's been great so far. (laughs) You got her at a perfect time too, because she'll be a little bit more grown when you actually get into season and it's a little bit more chaotic for you. I was, I was fully queuing you up for that one. I saw your little smile. I know. (laughs) I had the little goofy smile because I was like, I know a hobby that she's really (laughs) excited about. That was maybe one of my favorite texts ever when I just get a, hey, just got a dog from you. (laughs) It was, I was, I think, just 
floored because she's the cutest puppy ever. For Thank those you. of you, just go to Lexi's Instagram and you'll get loaded up with nice pictures of Libby. She's a precious pup. But I think that that's so fun, just being able to have a hobby outside. And I think that really relating, like going into a professional athletic sense. And for me, it's a little bit different because we don't necessarily have as set of a structure in professional beach mm-hmm. volleyball as the WNBA does. But at the same time, I didn't have 20 units of school to come home to. Yeah. And I look around and I think like, what is there to do now? And so yeah. I, it's totally, it's picking up the little hobbies because I'm really similar in the fact that I really like to be go, go, go. I'm learning to be a little bit less go, go, go at times so that I can have the chill moments and find balance. But finding those hobbies becomes so important. And I think even for people who are in middle school, in high school, in college, you don't have to wait until after college to find the hobbies. I think that there's still a really important factor of finding kind of your identity outside of athletics or outside of whatever your main focus is. Because then when you get to the point that you're at with us, (laughs) then the hobbies become a really nice little side benefit. And I love that you have a side benefit of your pup now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Of course. Now going in a little bit more back to where we started of the idea of team culture. Established from the start, you knew immediately what team culture was like because you had a built-in teammate with your sister, with Lacey. Mm -hmm. Now – You went into a Stanford program that's a fairly legendary program through the years and already had, I feel like, a pretty strong identity of what your guys' team culture was like. But I feel like at the same time, you reestablished a little bit of the culture throughout your guys' years and ended up going from making pretty consistent Final Fours or Elite Eights to winning a national championship our junior year, which is not to be taken lightly. That was a pretty (laughs) insane year and also just such a fun time to win a national championship. But how do you kind of lead and continue to build in a culture of already established greatness? Or how do you work with an already established culture, but learn to build it to where you guys can go to winning even more than you already had? Yeah, I I think that leadership is not, it's not linear. Like, I think that you figure out every year kind of where you fit on the team, what your role is and your leadership role changes coming in as a freshman. Like you're not going to be the guy, like you're not going to be the person that's like telling people what to do, but you can lead by example. And I think that's something that Lacey and I did. We were really fortunate in terms of playing time our freshman year. And I think really bought into the fact that like, we're going to listen to our upperclassmen. They're, they're really great leaders. We like respect them but we're going to do as much as we can on the basketball court and lead by example. And I think as you get older, you get more experience, you're more of a veteran player, you're an upperclassman, um, you become to have that vocal leadership and you are the person because there's these young people. We're seniors in, in college at 22 years old and there's 18 year olds coming on the team. Like you have to be the person that they look to for advice and guidance. And you do that by being more vocal. And I think that your leadership grows as you get more experience. I love that. And it's it's true. You you have the steps. It's not even necessarily steps. It's more of like a roller coaster through leadership yeah. through years. But I feel like something when you get to that senior year point, you guys created this sense of you were a really trusted source for on and off the court. 
Everybody, mm-hmm. I remember because our room was the spot for women's basketball <laughs> our senior year. And I remember coming and kind of chatting with the team. And while we were working to build a really great culture with Stanford Beach Volleyball, we were the newest program on campus, still are the newest program on campus technically, but we've been around for a little bit of time and earned some more wins and some program status now. But at the time I was helping build a culture and build up a program that didn't have the same footing as you guys did. And talking with your underclassmen teammates, as well as with you guys, they would talk about the fact that you guys established this culture of we are in this together. We are going to be the people that push each other the hardest and hold each other to the highest standards, but we're also going to come off the court and we are going to have this established sense of family and we're going to be trusting mm-hmm. each other. We're going to care for each other more than we care for anybody else out there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I think that the love for teammates is a huge piece in, into the culture and into success of teams. Like, I don't know. I mean, I've had people say like our team that won the national championship wasn't the best on paper basketball team. Like we, which I'll argue with, but in the the sake of the (laughs) argument, like I think there's more to winning basketball games, winning sporting events than pure talent. And it's how well you can play as a team. And I think us having team events outside of practice, having bachelor nights in our room when majority of the team would come, like we grew together as people and we really loved each other. So then when you're on the court, you're playing for one another, which I think just adds so much to the team success. I love that. I think it, that it's so important to kind of have that established sense of you're playing for something more than yourself in mm-hmm. any sport, even in individual sports. It's there's the mentality of like in an individual sport, you're really only competing for yourself, which in theory you are, but there's a community behind you, whether it's a coach, whether it's training, whether it's people that you've competed against that you've created friendships with. And then going into a team sport, it's the same idea. Like you play for for the community, for the people around you more than you necessarily mm-hmm. just play for yourself. And I feel like that's something that's not touched on as much in a sense of athletics because there's people who get the accolades who shine really bright and they're so much more than just what their accolades say. And I feel like you guys did such a good job of that with Stanford basketball and about highlighting the team just as much as the players who were pieces of the team got highlighted. Yeah. And I think it's really important for the players that don't get those accolades to get noticed. And I think that's a piece of leadership is coming into the locker room after a good win and saying, hey, you did a really good job setting really good screens tonight. Like the little things that don't show up on the stat sheet, but were huge in successful plays. And it's hard, I think, and it's hard for players to buy in when they're not getting those like accolades from outside sources. But if the team can help you show those wins and help you feel those wins are are the is the whole team it's not those single people i think that just helps with the culture and helps everyone buy in because every single person who maybe played a minute maybe didn't play a minute but played really well in practice for scout like everyone's involved and everyone's a huge piece of the team and i think that everyone needs to feel that in order to win i love that so looking at that looking at your career so far what have been your favorite moments? I'll say plural moments. Doesn't have to be just one because I can I can think of one in particular. We've touched on it before of what a highlight could have been. But favorite moments, no matter how big nor small, like just in your career so far, do you have any highlights that 
really stand out to you as the important ones? I think um, our national championships, number one, and I think that's the one that's like the easiest answer, obviously. But that year, for listeners that don't know, like that was during COVID. So we were in a bubble that entire season leading up to our national championship. And there are so many moments in there that like, I feel like I forget, but then I, then I like kind of go through that I just love. We we had a ping pong tournament. Like this is not basketball related, but we in our bubble we can only see each other. We had a whole tournament with a bracket and videography, and like our coaches were involved and our media people were involved, and it was so fun because everyone bought in and everyone had so much fun together. And like as hard as COVID was, and even though it had like the best ending, the like the most exciting ending ever, there's so many moments within it that we were together that are some of my most cherished memories from Stanford. How important to you or how important do you think the moments off the court are to to the moments on the court? I think it just helps build the foundation for the moments on the court. And I won't I don't remember any scores of games. I don't remember how many points I scored on any game I've ever played. Like I I don't remember those things, but I do remember hitting a three and running down the court and seeing my entire bench of teammates like up cheering. And I think that like is the biggest thing ever is that you have the support of your teammates and you just see the love for each other for everything that you do on the court. I think back to a moment that really stands out to me with your team of that exact idea of how you guys made it so much more about celebrating each other's great moments is I look to Fran Belibi's dunk in the first round of playoffs. It was our senior year of college. So it was 2022. And Fran dunked and I was sitting in the parent section with your family and Fran's family was in front of me, but we were right behind your guys' bench. And I remember you guys going absolutely insane when that happened. I think Kiki Iriofen like pretended to faint. I It was, it was the, so good. It was the craziest celebration ever and it made it so much it made it so cool that she had done the dunk, but it made it so much more about just celebrating the fantasticness that was that team. And it again, it goes back to that idea of where you said we're competing for each other. It made that whole team say, yeah, you did that work. We got you for everything else. And it yes. became so cool. It was so like the so electric in Maples. Just I mean, that comes also down to fans and like the energy of the gym. But like the team brought that. And Fran brought that and it was just like, that was on. Yeah, that's one of my, I forget about that being a really exciting moment, but that's definitely up there. It's, it's pretty cool. I think getting to watch and again, looking back on creating kind of a team culture from a program that didn't exist for very long before of, we used a lot of inspiration from other women's teams that had really long established cultures of greatness. You guys, women's indoor were probably the two that stand out the most. Women's water polo stood out for a very long time of cultures that had spanned through decades of just continued excellence. And I think my team, we loved seeing it. And then we started creating funky cheers on our sidelines and going crazy when big plays would happen as a result of inspiration from other teams that had done it and done it so well. So it was pretty cool. Pretty cool to watch those moments. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you know, teams can learn from each other, even if it's not the same sport. Oh, yeah. Like being at Stanford around such incredible programs, like you just see such great people you see such great teammates and how they work and how they perform and so yeah you definitely learn from each other i love it now looking at sport and motivations like how do you stay motivated in your day by day right now 
So, you know, it is like in the off season, not having games, it can be hard to kind of lose the focus and lose the mindset. But I think for me, like I just am such a preparer and feel like every shot every day I'm in the gym is only preparing me for the games in the summer. And so I don't want to let myself down by not giving everything that I have because I don't want to regret something that I could have done better, a day that I could have worked harder. And so for me, it's just like making little me, it's cliche to say, but like making little me proud because I've spent so many hours in the gym to give up now or not give what I can because it's just like taking away the potential of what I could be as a player. I am for little you. I like it. Yeah. It is cliche, but it's also not at the same time because you think back to the little kid that the kiddos that were you and Lacey going before school to shoot around in the gym before like it could not have been late in the morning because I know how early school started when we were in middle school in high school we actually shifted to earlier start when I was in high school so I and I would go and lift sometimes before school so that I could but I would go and do it before school because of the fact that that was when I had the time I got out later so to not hit traffic I would drive super early in the morning and looking at that same idea, I mean, little you was doing it too. So I'm putting, you're putting in the work just as much as little you would hope that you would almost at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it it would feel like a waste in my mind if I did all of that for this many years, spent that many hours in the gym and then to not do it now where I'm at like the peak of my career, just that would feel like a waste. So it's, it's a matter of just not letting all of those hours go to waste, I think. Is there any phrase or ideas, even when you're in season, when you kind of hit a low point, do you have a phrase or a key, a cue that you kind of hone in on to keep you in that moment or keep you really present and driven? So there's kind of two for like, for right now, I remember my, in my family, like we would always say, if you're not working, someone else is. And so for me, it's like, there's so many people trying to make it into the WNBA. I mean, there's only 144 players. It's super competitive. You have to perform in order to stay in the league. And so if someone else is out there working hard, I better be working harder. And like just the mindset, being competitive with myself because I don't want someone else to be more like to work harder than me. So that keeps me going in the off season. But during the season, it's like the next play mentality. I might have a bad shooting day, next play. I might have a bad practice, next play, next day. It's a growth mindset. We're going to get better. And it's only ever, it's gonna, like it's such a roller coaster sports. Like all of it is. And being able to just move on to the next thing, learn from the, the previous day, learn from the previous play, but being willing to move on. I, I love huge. it. And I think that, again, going into that next play, it almost adds back into that idea of like, you can find good in the next play. If something bad has happened before you have an opportunity to change that, take, take the bad, throw it behind you and move forward into the next moment. It's, it's nice. Yes. (laughs) I like it. And two, I mean, we've talked about how the sport is a roller coaster. We've talked about how there've been highs and lows. And I feel like in your career, we've touched on some highs. We, I almost want to shift and take the low side of things for a second. Mm -hmm. And look at what lows in sport have felt like to you and what they've been like. Like the experiences of low lights are sometimes, and actually not sometimes, almost all the times, just as important as the highlights. And I think that you've had, again, we talked about the start of your, how it was just a kind of tougher adjustment going into the pro scene. You've had a couple injuries. What has it kind of been like 
experiencing some lows and learning or not even learning, just working to rise above and rise through those. I think everyone, every athlete hates being injured. And that's always like a really, really hard thing to come to terms with. And I had hardly ever, I don't think I ever missed a game except for a few weeks, my freshman year at Stanford. So I was healthy, healthy, healthy. And in my last two seasons, I've had three different injuries and I've been out for a significant amount of time. So kind of like shifting my mindset and trying to take those things as a chance to grow and be able to watch and learn by watching was an adjustment. But I feel like I'm, I'm proud of myself for being able to stay positive because it's, it's really hard to sit on the bench and feel like you're not contributing or feel like you're getting kind of left behind. But in reality, like doing rehab, getting treatment, you're like, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing to prepare yourself for the future. So that those have definitely been my lows of the season. But I will say like also statistically speaking, like I've shot the worst I've shot the ball in my entire career. So that's like frustrating when you feel like you're shooting it the best you can in practice or the best you have ever, and then getting out on the court and not shooting the ball very well. That, I mean, it just leaves a lot of room for improvement, which like it excites me because it is like there's so much room for improvement. And that's why I'm working every day. You're working every day and we're about to see sh the return of Shooter Lex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's awesome knowing you and knowing the fact that you're the one who's going to be in the gym and putting in that effort and putting in that work at all times to do it. I I've got full faith that it's going to be coming in. And I love that even through the lows that you're like, nah, it's going to come. I'm, I'm making sure that it's coming. You're kind of taking that and letting it fuel the fire a little bit. Yeah. Like you have to have like faith in yourself that it will turn around. And when you lose that confidence, that's when you lose. And I think it's, it's hard to maintain confidence, but someone once told me confidence is in reps. You won't get confidence by just thinking you're good or thinking that the ball is going to go in. But if you see the ball go in, you practice, you know that you're a good shooter, you know you're a good athlete, like it will come, but it's not going to come easily. I like it. Not going to come easily, but it will come, yes. <laughs> which is awesome. Now, on the side of you've worked really hard to kind of shift everything into a positive sense and put in the work so that the negative moments can leave the building. <laughs> but I feel like you're in a position and being a professional athlete being, coming from a really high-status school and coming into a high-status league, there are a, definitely a chunk, a, a piece of sport for you is having external sources that are not always lifting you up for lack of better phrasing. What is it like kind of managing negativity coming from external sources and how do you work to build your own confidence? Is it just going into the gym? Is it really bringing in kind of together as a team and uniting what does it feel like when you've got kind of the pressure from external as well as internal? So I think for the WNBA, there's so many people out there on social media that have such like negative things to say. And for me, it's it was this season just not even reading it. Like I didn't even go on Twitter or X, I guess now, but like I, I wouldn't even go on and read because there's people leaving comments that don't know the reality of what's going on or like saying I, I remember I started the year and I think I missed like a, a good amount of threes in a row and somebody decided to comment 
made a post saying like this other person, which I, I know her and she's great and she's a great player. So I may, I love her, but saying this person deserves my spot on the team. And that like, it, it hurts because you're like, you don't know my game. People have opinions and I don't think that you should listen to anyone's opinions that you wouldn't get advice from. And there's random people that I've never met that will always say negative things about me and about every player. That's just the, the nature of sports, but it's just not listening to them. I think that's like, it, it's hard, but that's the only answer. And I think the, the biggest part for me is having teammates and family and friends that support me and will see those things stand up for me on social media. Thank you to everyone that does because I, I won't engage, but it's just having that support system that I, that truly like keeps, keeps the world spinning for sure. I love it. You've got the people backing you and you've also got in your head that you know what the work that you're putting in and you're not letting external sources tell you what your work looks like in the gym. Like you're still putting in that effort. You're showing up to every game present and going back to your initial thing that you were talking about of how you know that when you step out on that court, no matter what the execution is, you know that you're putting 100% effort in at all times. And I think knowing that you've got that footing, you've got that foundation makes all of the other stuff dissipate in a way that becomes way more important than just whatever uh keypad warrior is trying to claim for you exactly <laughs> and and i think it's important to to mention that like your worth as a person is not tied to your performance it's, i think it's very important for athletes especially young athletes if you have a bad game it does not make you if you have a bad season if you're not good at basketball like it does not make you a bad person and I think a lot of times as athletes, when you grow up as it being your whole life, you tie your worth to the sport. And I, I think that's really important to try to separate those things because they're not related at all. I love it. It's it's really important and it doesn't get touched on as much, especially in youth sports, because it becomes, like you were just mentioning, so such a huge piece, sometimes the entire piece of your life. For a lot of elite athletes, they don't learn that their worth as a human is so much more than just their worth as an athlete until really late. And so for listeners, for younger listeners, just know you are so much more important than the sport that you play. And your worth does not have any attribution or connection to what your wins, what your losses looked like. I, I know in my career, it took me like four years of playing my sport before I ever won a tournament. I took second so many times. I would take fifth in my career right now, my my destiny for the last year has been my highest finish was fifth place. And that has driven me insane because I have not necessarily been used to that throughout my career after the first four years of my career. And learning to kind of take a step back and realize there is so much more than just a win or a loss. There is so much more to performance. There's so much more to me as a human than just what the wins show, what the stats show has been a huge turning point in my career and in life too. Totally. Yeah. I like it. Right. We've even talked about this in the past of, I almost wish that we had like voices like this telling us it when we were younger. I hope that people, I hope that people are listening to this the way that I, <laughs> the way that they will one day, but yes. it's, it's really, really important to share and to have it be known that worth comes from a lot more than just what's what's coming on a piece of paper. For sure. If you had a message that you could send to 
your younger self and you could do any age of your younger self. I, I like to think like middle or high school, but really any age, what would you say like kind of growing up with it all? I think I would say find something you love and do it as much as you can. For me, that was basketball. I loved it. I still love it. And I did it a lot. And that's gotten to me, gotten me to where I am today. And I think that anything that you love, anything that you really enjoy doing, if you find that at a young age, you'll be really good at it if you keep with it. Because I know a lot of people in high school that I played with that played basketball, but they didn't love it. So they're, they were never going to be that good at it. Like if you're not fully bought in, move on, find something that you are really bought in. And because I think you'll be more, you'll be a happier adult. You'll be better at whatever you decide to do. So yeah, I think just, just find those loves, find those things that you really enjoy. I love that. Again, I love that. <laughs> uh, but finding, but finding something you love, it's, it's so fun. And you talked about this earlier. You played like a hundred different sports growing up. You grew up in a place where you could play outdoor sports and indoor sports, but you played a bunch of them. You tested them all out before you found yep. the one that you loved. Like it wasn't like you just were handed a basketball at birth and that, that was what you were always <laughs> going to do. It ended up being really fun that you found it, but it wasn't necessarily the thing that was like, oh, I'm always going to do this. And so if you, th if you have something that you if you're early starting the sport and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, that's really awesome. But you don't have to find the thing when you're four years old. You can find it a little bit later. And if it's the thing that you love, it's the thing that you love. Let all that you do be rooted in love. Yeah. <laughs> that was so <laughs> cheesy out of me there. That was great, John. <laughs> I think that it's – that was – borderline ridiculous but i'm going to i'm going to take it and run with it because yeah, yeah. it, it came it. naturally that we love the cheese <laughs> now talking about the fact that you played like 100 different sports growing up i know it wasn't 100 i know it was really about 5 probably but now it like <laughs> it's, it could it could have been honestly knowing you but right now i know that you still are an incredibly active person and you don't only play basketball you do a lot of other things on the side do you have any side hobbies beyond taking care of libby that you've really enjoyed picking up over time or enjoy doing now yes yeah, so i actually love tennis and i've only started playing because of my boyfriend and his family's big tennis family. And so we would go and play. And I've just loved it. Like, whenever it's nice out, I want to go play. Like, I, I wake up some days, like, itching to play tennis, which is such a new found hobby for me. And I think it's because it's, like, a, a very hard sport. So I like, I, I think I just like the challenge. So I loved pickleball. I think that's pretty widely accepted nowadays. And you can find just about anywhere to play. But it's really, really fun. And you can play with everyone. So those two things have been really, really great. Also, I cook a lot now, which I didn't do in sweets, obviously, in our Stanford dorm. But I, it's, a, it's a good hobby because, one, it keeps me busy. Two, I can be creative. And three, I get to eat really, really good food. So what more could you ask for? I am. I have done the same thing. When you actually have access to a kitchen that's in the place that you live, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> instead of having like a little kitchenette in your dorm, when you have a kitchen, it's so fun to cook food. It sometimes is a little time consuming, but it's worth the time. It's like a fun yes. hobby that I didn't necessarily think about how it was going to make me so excited, but it's so fun. It's it's a blast. It's a nice little hobby. Literally, to pick up. my. My camera roll is Libby and my dinners this past week. So 
you need anything, if you need one of those two things, let me know. I know. We're going to have to split, like share recipes from here on out of what our new ones that we've tested are. (laughs) It's great. Well, Lex, I have actually, for the remainder of this podcast, I have a fun little treat that we do as our kind of ending point to the conversation, but also as just a fun tie-in with Strong Girls United. It's really just a fun series of three questions. It's taken after the founding pillars of Strong Girls United. We love to do things in sets of three. So it's three questions based on our three pillars. And our three pillars of Strong Girls United are strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds. It's our little Strong Girls United series questions. And it's going to start with, Lex, how do you keep your body strong? I work out every single day. And I think there's there's really like fueling your body and then working your body out. I think those are our two really key pieces to keeping your body strong. I love it. <laughs> and I feel like too, like the working out every day for looking at it, like you find different ways to work out. You don't just go and work the same thing out every day, which is so yes. fun. And side point, I should have mentioned as one of my newer hobbies this past week, I started Pilates as like a low impact, high intensity workout. And oh my goodness, my body is sore in places that it has never been sore. So if you want a good, if you want a good ab workout, go to, go to a Pilates class. It's fun finding new ways to keep your body strong, even at 24 versus like finding them early. I think it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. New ways to keep your body strong. All right. Next up on our Strong Girls United series questions, how do you keep your heart kind? I keep my heart kind by being kind to others and keeping kind people around me. I think you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And I'm very lucky to have such a close group of friends and close family, you being one of those key people. But yeah, I think you're you learn from people and you reciprocate what's given to you. And I'm really lucky to have such kind hearts surrounding me. Beautiful. (laughs) I'm glad that I could be in that inner circle because I (laughs) relate, I relate to that entirely. And I feel like we do, we had, we, we lucked out on the people that we met in college, which is really nice, but also just learning about everybody and kind of seeing where we've spread out to and knowing that we've got a foundation kind of wherever we go is really nice. Yeah. Now, last up, most certainly not least, how do you keep your mind unstoppable? Continuing to learn. I think keeping your head like level and and not being too high, too low. We've talked about so many highs, we've talked about so many lows, but trying to weather the storm, not get too high, not get too low, but understand that there's ebbs and flows of everything. And then continuing to just be a lifelong learner. I think there's always things to grow, always, always room to improve. And that's in sports and that's in life. And I think if you're willing to continue to learn, you'll be the best version of yourself every single day. You'll be absolutely unstoppable. Unstoppable. (laughs) I I love it. And it's true. It's having that kind of innate desire to do more, to grow, to learn makes you have the drive to keep going forever and always. Yes. Oh, 
Well, Lex, those are all the questions that I have for you. Thank you so much for taking the time and for hopping on with me today. This has been so fun. This has been so good. I could do this every week, Charlie. I know. We should do this more often. (laughs) It's a blast and a half. Well, really, I'm so happy that you joined, Lex. Thank you for sharing and thank you for serving as an inspiration for all the people listening. Of course. Well, good luck to everyone listening. I'm excited for what your all of your future holds. I love it. Well, for everybody listening, that is Strong Girls Pod. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. I'm your host, Charlie Ekstrom, and we are signing off. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on Strong Girls Pod. In the spirit of growing community and inspiring strong girls and women everywhere, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment about our podcast. Tell your friends, family, really everyone to listen in and enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by Strong Girls United, a nonprofit with a mission to empower girls to be strong, confident, and resilient through sports mentorship and mental health programming. Visit sgunitedfoundation.org to learn more on how you can get involved today.